Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This is the sixth Sunday after the Holy Resurrection, and we are um, approaching the uh, the Feast of the Pentecost, which, God willing, will be next Sunday. Uh, we just passed the 40-day mark, which commemorated the Ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we have the icon of the Ascension as well. And uh, as He ascended to the heavens, He left the apostles with the promise of receiving the Holy Spirit. And that event uh, that will happen is called the Pentecost, and, and God willing, again, we'll celebrate next Sunday. And as we've spoken about for the last few weeks, during the 40 days that Christ was with them, walking among them in very plain sight and, and you know, interacting with them in a very intimate way, uh, we, he did a few things with the apostles. Firstly, Christ opened to them the meaning of the Old Testament scriptures as it relates to himself. He explained to them all the prophecies and the symbols that were in the Old Testament about himself and the Psalms and all the other books of the Old Testament. Um, and then it must have been like uh, an epiphany for them when, because these things that they've been reading all of their life, not knowing what they meant, they saw them being fulfilled in front of their very eyes. And so they were brought to their memory, those things that Christ did. Second, uh, he brought to their remembrance the things that he himself did during the three-year ministry. And so, you know, all the, the times where he controlled nature, where he walked on water, where he raised the dead, he reminded them of all those amazing things. And, of course, the apostles would go out into the world and let everyone know about the things that he did, and some of them even wrote Gospels. Thirdly, he taught them some of the elements of our church tradition, such as, for example, the church sacraments and the liturgies. Fourth, he gave them priestly authority to, tr to loose people from their sins throughout the whole world. He says, I give you authority to loose and to bind sins on earth. Fifth, he gave them the great command, the great commission, as it's called, to preach to everyone all over the world the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, and, most, and one of the most important things he did, he's, he gave them every assurance and peace following that dramatic crucifixion that happened, and he gave them every um, established and, uh, and firm hope and, and belief that the resurrection has uh, happened, right? He gave them every assurance that the resurrection happened because he was there with them for 40 days, talking with them. They handled him, they spoke with him, they heard him, and they ate with him as well. So he, he instilled within the, them the, that spirit of courage and hope and anticipation of him ascending to heaven. And um, we, as we've been speaking about that theme of courage, and, and we see it today as well in the epistles that we read today and in the gospel that we read today, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. A heart that is not troubled, um, that is full of courage and fearlessness is consistent with the spirit of Christianity. If you're practicing Christianity, courage is a you know, a natural consequence of that. Uh, cowardliness is something that we should check ourselves to see because if we're cowardly or if we're afraid of something, then we're not fully practicing the Christian message that uh, we should have in our life. In Romans chapter 8, St. Paul says, For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And St. Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. We're called to have this courage and never be troubled. 
like we've spoken about because um, again it's that same theme during the 40 days to have no fear is um, is one of life's most liberating feelings that we can have you know like if you're not afraid it's like you've been released from bondage right to be fearless is to be uh, you know very happy right because when you're fearful it brings a lot of sadness and gloom on your life but to be not afraid is to be like a liberated person who just came out of prison, right? Um, therefore, the readings during this time, during this holy 50 days, are, in, are like sprinkled with words of be of good courage. Let not your heart be troubled. It is to your advantage that I go away. Peace to you. Your heart, your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. I go to prepare a place for you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And again, today, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And many other verses as well. He told them that troubles were coming. You know, that as Christians, you will have troubles and that they would even scatter and leave him alone. But he assures them that this leaving him alone doesn't affect him because, of course, he is one with the father. He, he has the father with him. And the ones, you know, we are the ones, if we leave him, we're the ones who lose the benefit. But if we stay with him, we gain benefit. But he himself remains unchanged. So he tells them that they would scatter so that they would not despair. So he tells them ahead of time so that when they come to themselves, they say, hey, Christ told us that this would happen and that they would have peace. When we face challenges in our life, there is God with us as a true companion in this broken world that we're traveling through and that we're going to have tribulations and challenges, but God is there with us. With the apostles, they were about to face indescribable challenges. If we read uh, some of those are captured in the book of Acts, which we'll be reading in our Bible study uh, during the Apostles' Fast. Um, the Apostles went through all sorts of challenges and troubles and tribulations. And as there was a greater challenge that they suffered, so was the greater consolation. God was there with them, consoling them and strengthening them along the way. And they would need it, as the Apostles, we know, would endure all kinds of persecution from every type of uh, uh, culture and and uh, and religion and and things that they faced throughout the world and all of them were martyred except for of course Saint John all of them were martyred and suffered uh, pretty dramatically. But in our trials we face right we have that same consolation that God gave to the apostles that same consolation and support that He gave during the forty days and throughout their lives as they face different challenges we have that same power inside of us that same Holy Spirit. Because we will have trail, uh, trail, trials and tribulations in this world. That's something that's given. But the Christian knows where these trials come from, how to handle them, and what the rewards are for those who overcome them. And as we've said previously, we do not look far for God. We don't look far for Him because we know that the Holy Spirit is inside of us. For everyone who's baptized and anointed uh, with the holy oil of chrismation, we know that He lives inside of us and He is there with us throughout the, uh, the journey in this life, no matter what the challenge. So that's why in the last verse of today's reading, it says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Don't worry, I know that you will scatter when you come back to yourself, that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. What powerful words these are, right? He says these words so that we can commit them to memory, and that we may also have peace. So well, let's focus on two points. First, there are tribulations, right? And we've been talking about this for the last few weeks. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, St. Paul says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 
And even St. Peter in uh, his first epistle, chapter 5, says, Resist him steadfast in the faith. Resist the devil steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So all over the world through since the beginning, our brothers and sisters have been suffering these things and they've overcome and they were crowned. And likewise, it's our turn as well to go through whatever challenge we face with courage and endurance. Of course, we know that God will never allow us to go through something that we're not able to endure with this Holy Spirit. So he gives us uh, different measures to different people. Um, With the apostles, of course, they suffered dramatically. The martyrs, they suffered dramatically. St. George, whose icon is here, right, suffered seven years of torture, right? And each time they tortured him. They they, uh, one time they killed him and Jesus brought him back to life. You know, the consolation is always there in proportion to whatever is needed because of the tribulation we're facing, because of the trouble we're facing. So he tells us to be of good cheer, for he has overcome the world. What is he, what is he overcoming the world's tribulations benefit us? And, you know, he overcame as best as the enemy could throw at him. Uh, why does that lead to us being cheerful? Because he took our human nature and we're part of his body. As St. Cyril of Alexandria says, If he conquered as only God, that wouldn't be of any use to us. But if he conquered as a human being, then we too can conquer in him and share in the victory. St. Augustine also says, He has not overcome the world if the world still overcomes its members. So Jesus is victorious over the world only if he's victorious in his body, which is us. We are his body. His victory in overcoming the world is our victory, for he continues to overcome the world today. This, this verse is continually even being said today, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. It's said every single day as he overcomes the world through us. And as we read today in St. Paul's epistle in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So when we live actively in the church, partaking in the sacraments, participating in building up the church, we are active members of his body and we share in his victory. And if we're part of this body, you know, the same body that overcome death, the, the same body that we're part of when we partake of the Eucharist, then we share in his victory in every sense of the world. We're victorious in Christ, and his victory is ours as well. That's why he tells us, be of good cheer. My victory is your victory. In the world, we will have tribulation. But there is no victory where there isn't a tribulation, right? There is no, like... Um, Uh, winning in a basketball game, for example, if there is no basketball game in the first place, right? There has to be challenge for us to be overcoming that challenge, for us to be victorious in that challenge. So, But so long as we abide in God's love, within any challenge that we face, there is victory. So a truly Christian spiritual person is victorious over the self, over the devil, and over even material matters that we're facing as well, things at work or things at home, so on. And this victory is not just here on earth, but more importantly, it lasts into eternity. In the book of Revelations, our Lord highlights that what will be given to those who are victorious and those who overcome. He says, He who overcomes will eat of the tree of life, shall not be hurt by the second death, shall be clothed in white garments, shall not have their names blotted from the book of life, but shall have their names confessed before the Father and his angels, and shall be made a pillar 
in the temple of God and even shall be allowed to sit on the throne of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. He allows us to sit on his throne. The Lord prepared all of these blessings for us who strive and who prevail and who live a life of victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. This opportunity for victory and crowning is available for everyone. It's not just for a select few. It's for everybody. God watches over our fights and our victories, and so do the angels and the souls of the saints who pray for us and encourage us to follow their path of victory. They all rejoice when we prevail. As the Lord says, there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. So victory is within our grasp. Victory is attainable. We can even snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, even when we've fallen many times and even when our falls are huge. There's a story in the Desert Fathers that says one, uh, one of the novices came to the abbot of the monastery and asked him, is it possible to really repent even if somebody makes a grave sin, like a really big sin? And so the father proceeded to give him an analogy. He said, imagine somebody who builds with his own hands a huge house, and he's very proud of that house. And then one time a, a huge storm came and demolished that house to the very foundations. What will you see? And so the novice says, well, if I can imagine it, I'll see this uh, broken house all over. I'll see wood and nails and, and plastic and, and so on everywhere. And I'll see the foundation laid bare because the house is no longer on it. So he told him, all right, very good. So you see all of this material all over the floor, kind of wrecked all over the place. What do you think is easier for somebody to start from scratch or somebody to build from this stage? He said, from this stage, because all the material is still there, and he may even build the house a little bit stronger because things that he regretted in the past, he can now rebuild. And he said, very good. And what else do you see? He says he sees the foundation. The foundation is still there which is the Holy Spirit inside of us. So in the same way, we can rebuild. We can rebuild even though we've sinned and fallen many times because we know that our victory is still within our grasp. But Satan, on the other hand, works towards continually instilling in us the hearts and the hearts in the hearts of all of humanity, the spirit of defeat, right? And you see this on, in the media and you see that in the society. There's this prevailing spirit and feeling of defeat in the world and weakness so that we can despair and, not, and yield to him, of course, right? But we don't believe him. We don't believe him when he tells us that it's difficult or futile to live a spiritually successful and victorious life. <clears throat> Christians follow a different spirit, one of victory, one of hope, one of strength. After every fall, we rise up again with, with God's help. And after every arising, don't let the fall agitate you. Just rise up again. Because remember, a saint is somebody who doesn't sin, right? That's not what a saint is. A saint is somebody who, after sinning, gets back up again quickly. So we should rejoice after we rise again from the fall and be assured that God gives us the power with which we can rise no matter what our fall or how many times we fall. <clears throat> we read last week that God went to prepare a place for us. When he ascended, he goes and prepares a place for us, and he is coming again to take us with himself. Let's therefore acquire that hope and that life that, uh, that is full of triumph and full of victory. We should fill our hearts with God's strengthening promises. And there's so many beautiful promises. Like in today's um, uh, verses, we, we hear that whatever we ask the Father in my name, he will give us. These are some very powerful promises. 
um, and we should lean on those promises and remind them of our promise. The church aims to res like remind the children of the church always to remind them of these life-giving promises. Um, and we have to work as our, ourselves as well to always remind ourselves. So how then do we begin to share and experience this life of spiritual victory? There are some beneficial guidelines that we can take advantage of. First, as much as, in our, as is in our power, we need to keep away from the causes of sin. Right? And we all know what they are in our life. The angel said to Lot, for example, escape for your life. Do not look behind you nor stare anywhere in the plain. And we also know that Joseph, when he was tempted, um, the lady grabbed his jacket and he said, take my jacket, I'm out of here. And he took off leaving his jacket behind. Right? Escape for your life, as the angel says. For we're, If we're close to the causes of sin, we fight two sins. We fight two challenges, one on the inside and one on the outside. But if we separate ourselves from the causes of sin, all we have to do is deal with what's inside of us. And that could be a handful enough, by the way. Second, besides staying away from sin, to share in Christ's victory, we need to never surrender or compromise. Right? When an evil thought enters our, our mind, we rebuke it and not let it reside in our mind to increase into our affections and, and eventually into our actions. But we should resist lusts and we, we should resist the pride of life and the revenge, uh, the, the thoughts of revenge as well, and, and never contemplate putting them into practice. We should always avoid them, even if they press very hard against us and continuously. We've got to struggle. We've got to fight against these things. Some struggle a very little and eventually give in and give up and surrender. But St. Paul rebukes the Hebrews, for example, when he says in Hebrews chapter 12, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, that we should resist even to the level of bloodshed. Third, in order to prevail, we need to strengthen our love of God in our hearts by being close to Him and by being close to the means of grace. Most of those who fall away from the church are detached from the means of grace, from prayer, from contemplation, from reading, from fasting, from spiritual gatherings, and the devil will throw all sorts of reasons why they step away from these things, from confession, from holy communion, and they'll stay away from these things for a long time, and eventually that, that hurts them. But we have to, on the other hand, cleave to these things. We have to grab onto them and hold tight to them. These are the means of grace. And always be mindful of God and bring our heart, the spiritual feelings, bring to our heart the spiritual feelings uh, which keep us away from sin, right? When we're ever thinking of the spiritual things, we're away from sin. Fourth, we should always have the spirit of humility and humbleness. Humility always allows us to seek guidance from those who know more, and humility allows us to search our own hearts as well and to not be afraid of knowing our own weaknesses and our own shortcomings. Humility allows us to seek God's help rather than relying on our own strength and our own power and our own understanding. Grace with, works within the heart that is humble and that is full of humility, not one that is prideful and looks down on others, for example. Always feel that you're a beginner. This is a wonderful quality of our catechumens uh, who are joining the church. One that I always ask them, and some of you might remember when I've asked you, always keep that feeling that you're a beginner. Always keep it. Don't ever lose that, right? That feeling that we have as beginners, we should keep for the rest of our life. That feeling will always allow us to grow more and more. This allows us to advance and grow quickly. 
But the moment we think we know something, the moment we think we've reached uh, an epix of our understanding or we uh, are holy, that's what happens right after that. We start going backwards, right? So always feel like we're beginners. Christ loves us and he wants to give us the victory um, and we need to ask for it and search for it. St. Paul, who suffered more than all the apostles in, in Christ, he had all the tribulations more than all the other apostles. And I love what he says here in Romans chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. <clears throat> and we have some amazing promises that strengthen us. We have the promise that God will always give us victory as long as we're asking for it. As he says today, Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. What an amazing and bold promise this is. You don't find this everywhere, right? Whatever you ask, it will be given to you. And we can go and and ask today and see how God will give it to us. <clears throat> of course, there's conditions and parameters that we ask for such petitions, right? Firstly, the petitions are in his name, as he says today. All good things proceed through Jesus from the Father and in the Holy Spirit. There's no exception to this. Therefore, it's only through the name of Jesus Christ that our petitions are granted. The name of our Lord Jesus Christ is very powerful. It's powerful, like it's the most powerful thing we have on this earth. But simply attaching his name is not sufficient. They need to be consistent with him as well when we, uh, those petitions that we make have to be consistent. We can't ask for evil things, for example. We can't ask for things that fulfill our carnal desires. We can't ask for things that uh, seek revenge on others. Lord, this person flipped me off on the, on the freeway. May you make him crash. Do you think that those kind of petitions are answered? or ignored. They're ignored, right? I mean, God does not uh, do those kind of things. We can't ask for things uh, that, or hope to or expect anything from heaven, things that are contrary to our salvation or contrary to the salvation of others. In 1 John chapter 5, he says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So God hears everything and will grant it as long as it's within his will. Our petitions need to be with faith as well. Last Sunday's readings, we, uh, we read, You believe in God, believe also in me. And in James chapter 1, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. We have to have faith in our requests. Thirdly, our requests need to be with patience and flexibility. We know that God understands the depth of what we're asking for even deeper than we do. 
and God will give it to us in a way that maybe may not be consistent with what we expect in the time we expect or how we expect, right? God will solve these problems on his own and we should have uh, patience with him. Finally, we need to work with God. Sometimes we ask, but we don't work towards that request. You know, like a student who asks for an A and doesn't work towards studying, right? Do you think God will, who is just, will give that person an A-plus in the class? Likely not, right? We have to work hard and work towards the things that we're asking for. Similarly, in the spiritual struggle, we can't ask for purity if we're turning around and watching things that are not pure, we have to ask for purity and then work towards that purity as well. And God will answer those prayers. Um, when we ask, we need to be strong in heart and courageous and steadfast in faith and actually work in the divine work as well. So be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, is the message that our Lord Jesus Christ gives us. We should live in that cheer. So may God grant us to share in his victories and his good and joyful cheer that he gives us and he wants us to live in through the prayer in his holy name, for he has promised us victory in all of our tribulations, to whom be glory forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.